Good morning, world. Welcome to another episode of Zendependently Minded. If you are a new or returning listener, I hope you enjoy this episode. And make sure you share Zendependently Minded with everybody you can because it's the best podcast out there for combat sports and for news and rants. So on this episode, I'm going to, of course, talk about, I'm going to predict, analyze, and just basically give my picks for the entire main card for this upcoming fight night between that's main evented between Kelvin Gastelum and Robert Whitaker. So this is a fun card. I'm really excited for this one, but I'm also e- even more excited. I'm already looking ahead and just just really, really pumped up for next weekend's fight card. Of course, I'm going to do a prediction podcast for that one too. But this week, of course, starting off with with Kelvin Gastelum and Robert Whitaker, this is a fun card. There are a lot of underrated scraps on here. There are going to be some I can already see just just through watching each guy's fight career, watching their most recent fights, and then just kind of using my best, using the the best of my knowledge to predict these fights. There are definitely going to be some memorable moments that come from from this fight night for sure. And you know, after once you listen to this podcast, you'll you'll totally understand why. And I'm going to break down and explain why there are someone there. Why I'm so excited for this entire card. So. Starting off in the lightweight division, we have a bout between Luis Pena and Alex Munoz. So this is one, you know, there's a uh, there's fan favorite Luis Pena, looks like Bob Ross, a lot of people like him. He's fighting he's fighting Alex Munoz. So Alex Munoz is a newcomer into the UFC. He's only fought once, and he actually lost his UFC debut against Nazrat. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, but you guys know what I'm talking about. It's the it's the lightweight version of Kelvin Gastel, and he looks just like him. But so Luis Pena, starting off with him, I'm going to talk about him. Luis Pena is he's a young guy. Like I said, he's a he's a fan favorite uh, as far as up and comers go. He he his fighting style is just a lot of pressure and a lot of volume, and you know he just he just likes to push a pace that most guys cannot handle. But in his last fight, he was submitted, so he he's shown susceptibility to being submitted. I think he has one or two submission wins in the UFC couple knockouts and decision wins but always he has he throws high pressure high volume so or he has a lot of he pushes a, a high pressure and then throws a lot of high volume strikes so it's it's going to be interesting to see how he deals with Alex Munoz because Alex Munoz he you know before he got knocked out in his UFC debut he was undefeated I think he only he's, his record's like five and one, so he hasn't had that many fights. But he Munoz on the is like a complete when it comes to striking, they're both strikers. They're not wrestlers, but Munoz is the complete opposite as far as volume. He doesn't throw a lot of strikes. He's he's kind of a slow starter, but he loads up his shots, and when he does land those shots, uh, he showed he's got some power. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, this this high pressure versus high power, low volume style, the stylistic matchup that we have coming up. It's going to be interesting, but definitely something that I've noticed with Alex Munoz is that he fights with his chin up in the air, and that's something that Pena is going to be able to capitalize, and it's going to look really good for the judges with Pena throwing strikes and just pushing that high pressure that I was talking about. And I I think eventually, I, I think that Munoz might be able to land a couple big shots on Luis Pena, but 
I don't think Pena's been knocked out in the UFC. So it's gonna you know, he's a he's a tough guy to put away. Like I said, he was he was finished in his last fight by submission, but Munoz is not gonna come in and try to submit him. I, I don't see that happening. And all that being said, with Munoz fighting with his chin up and Pena's high volume, I think Pena's gonna outstrike him and he's gonna win by decision. So moving on to the next bout, we have a middleweight bout between Abdul Razak Al Hassan and Jacob Malkoon. So this is another potential banger for sure. This is like if there's any fight that's going to be a complete banger, of course, besides the main event, I think this is going to be the one. So Jacob Malkoon is a boxer. He's actually boxed a few times, I think, in his amateur career. And I think he has a couple professional boxing wins, too. So he has some good knockouts and he's gotten good boxing, of course. But he was knocked out in 18 seconds in his UFC debut by Phil Haas. I'm sure I'm sure you guys all remember that knockout. It was a crazy knockout. Pretty sure it was a from what I remember it was a one punch knockout. So he that being said, he's 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 finishable. He's been knocked out. He was knocked out in his last fight, I believe. Yeah, that was his UFC debut against against um Phil Haas and he got knocked out. You know, he was he was a pretty exciting prospect. I think he still is, but coming into that fight he was the favorite. And then Phil Haas knocked him out. And as far as Abdul Hassan goes, Abdul Hassan, he loads up his shots and has some serious power, but he also fights with his chin up. And Al Hassan has been knocked out a couple times too in his UFC in his UFC career. So there's in my opinion, there is absolutely no way this fight goes the distance. Unless both guys come in kind of fighting conservative and just more cautious because they're both coming off losses. But this fight, this fight is not going to go the distance. I, there's no way it goes the distance. Both guys have some serious power. They load up shots. They try to take each, take their opponent's heads off. And if they're not taking their opponent's heads off, they're getting their heads taken off. So I just think Al Hassan's, you know, his, his longer career and his, his, just his advantage in fighting experience is going to help him. And I think Phil Haas is just going to come in thinking about his, uh, I mean, uh, Malkoon is going to come in, you know, just that, that his UFC debut is going to be weighing too heavy on him. He's going to come in and just let Al Hassan walk him down. And Al Hassan, I think in my, my official prediction is Al Hassan is going to knock out Malkoon in the first round. Moving on to the next fight, we have a heavyweight bout between Andre Arlovsky and Chase Sherman. So, this is another fun one. We have legend and all-time great Andre Arlovsky. He's been fighting for 20 years. This is, I think, his 21st year. He's been fighting. Well, it's been 21 years since he made his debut in the UFC, and he was fighting before that. So he's been he's been fighting for a long time, and you know he's a legend for sure. And actually, up until his last submission loss, he was stringing together a pretty pretty decent few like win streak. It's just his chin is depleted. He's been knocked out so many times over his UFC career. And when he's fighting the cream of the crop guys, he's getting knocked out. We saw him get knocked out. Basically, everybody's knocked him out. Except for that, that small win streak he's been on. He's been shown... What I what I took and what I've gathered from his, his small win streak before he got submitted, he was... He's using his veteran experience and just his... Yeah, basically just straight up, he's had a, a a much bigger experience 
gap and advantage over these young guys and up-and-comers that he's been fighting. So he's been using that and just squeaking through, not squeaking through, some of them were dominant decision wins where he's just outstriking and just fighting a smarter fight. And Chase Sherman, on the other hand, he actually, he's a boxer. He's never even attempted a takedown in his entire UFC career. And he used to actually do bare knuckle boxing. So for sure, without a doubt, he's going to look to take Arlovsky's head straight off. Because like I said, Arlovsky's, um, his his decades of experience is going to help him make this fight look a little competitive. And we could be a little unsure in the beginning. And Sherman will have to pick his shots wisely because Arlovsky could totally could totally use his experience to his advantage and just outmaneuver and not allow Sherman to come bum rush him and knock him out. But that all being said, I I just think Arlovsky's chin is too depleted. And I think Sherman also has a little bit of experience. Like I said, he has bare knuckle boxing experience. So he's going to find he's going to find a spot to land that those power shots, and I think he's going to knock out Arlovsky in the first round. Unfortunately. And then I do think Arlovsky should retire. I think he should have retired after one of his wins, but he kept fighting and got submitted. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, my, my official prediction is Sherman by knockout in the first round. So moving on to a fight that I'm really, really excited about. It's a lightweight fight. It's the co-main event between Jeremy Stevens and Drakkar Close. I think his name is pronounced Close. That's the way that Dominic Cruz and uh, John Anik pronounce it. I thought it was Close A, but he's American apparently, and he's got a cool name. Kind of reminds me of like Dragon or someone from Game of Thrones. But anyway, Drakkar, Drakkar, his last fight out, he got knocked out by Benio Dariush, and then Jeremy Stevens got knocked out by Calvin Cater. This is a fight, This I think this could potentially be Jeremy Stevens' last fight in the UFC, because he's coming, he's on a, a really, a really, like, really disappointing losing streak he's i think he's he's got three losses in a row and then also has a no contest where he got no, i think it was an eye poke by yair rodriguez the first time they fought and then yair, yair came in and dominated stevens when they actually fought and they came back the second time so jeremy stevens he's been on a losing streak uh, and he's a scrapper we all know him for being this wild dude who just throws insane shots like that fight with Calvin Cater was crazy. These guys had no no reservations for their health. They had no defense. They were just throwing haymaker after haymaker. And then eventually, Cater landed that perfect elbow. And it was so beautiful the way he was able to finish Stevens. But Jeremy Stevens is super tough. He's, he's a serious... He is a dangerous guy. But every time he's fought the top of the heap guys, he's been... He's, he's lost, so... As tough as he is, he is fighting a really good and really promising opponent in in close, in Drakkar close. So Drakkar throws high volume and he's got a couple finishes, but he doesn't really finish people as, as often as Jeremy Stevens, if, if we were to compare, which, you know, they're both going to fight each other, so might as well compare here. But we saw Drakkar hurt Benil when they fought in that crazy turn of events. But then he went wild, and he like I've talked a lot about a, a few fighters on this card that fight with their chins up. But Drakkar like really he fights like Tony Ferguson with his chin up, and I mean it worked up until his Benil loss. 
He he rushed in on Benil. He sensed that he got hurt, got a little wild, came in with his chin up, and then he got caught and got knocked out in that crazy, crazy, amazing turn of events. And that all being said, Jeremy Stevens, you know, he doesn't break easily and he's tough. He might be able to catch Drakkar while Drakkar rushes in and try to, you know, with that volume and that high pace that he likes to fight at. But I think Drakkar is going to fight, use that volume to his advantage, and he's going he's gonna to fight a lot smarter than he has been. I think he's going to come in and he's just going to outstrike Jeremy and for the most part avoid Jeremy's wild and tough shots, and he's going to win by decision. I'm not 100% confident in my predictions. I never am, but with this one, I'm a little less confident, and I'll tell you why. So, I don't know if you guys saw the weigh-ins in the official face-off, but when Drakkar and Jeremy faced off, Jeremy pushed Drakkar and he got pissed. So there is a possibility that Drakkar comes in, you know, chip on his shoulder, and he wants to prove something after that knockout loss against Benil, and oh, and another thing, another thing that I almost forgot to mention is Drakkar likes to throw leg kicks, and he was really piecing up Benil Darius's legs when they were fighting, so that could be something that Jeremy Stevens needs to watch out for, but also, we've seen Jeremy Stevens tear people up with his leg kicks, so this is going to be a banger for sure, but you never know. One guy could come in really emotionally and it could play in their favor, but ultimately I do think Drakkar is going to fight smart, but he's not going to, you know, he's not going to be conservative. He's going to come in and throw a lot of shots, high volume, high pace like usual. And Jeremy's also going to throw some crazy looping shots that could potentially put Drakkar out. But I think just, just in my humble opinion, Drakkar is going to come in and he's going to win by decision and he's going to outstrike Jeremy Stevens. But it'll be a fun one, and I'm really excited. I don't think there's any way that that fight cannot be good. Which is really, we're really lucky to have Jeremy Stevens. Say what you want about him. He was embarrassed by Conor McGregor. He got knocked out. Really rough knockout against Calvin Cater. But when when Jeremy Stevens fights, people people tune in. And I'm excited for this one for sure. Moving on, of course, to the main event. We have a very highly anticipated fight. Was booked before. Robert Whitaker got hurt and he had to pull out. And then we got Israel Adesanya and Kelvin Gastelum, which was one of the greatest fights of all time. And it really cemented and put Israel Adesanya, you know, on the collision course to become the star that he is right now. And he is going to continue to keep rising. But that's a topic for another discussion. We have Robert Whitaker fighting Kelvin Gastelum. This this is a very important fight for the middleweight bout. I know Izzy doesn't want to rematch. Robert Whitaker, he doesn't think he's worthy, but like Robert Whitaker, if he beats Kelvin Gastelum, that's three wins in a row. He's coming. He like when you lose the, when you lose the title shot, uh, or you get knocked out, or you just lose while trying to become champion. You know the next logical thing to do is to string together a win or two or even three in Robert Whitaker's case to try to get that title shot again. And Robert Whitaker is such a good striker. In my opinion, he's one of he's de- he's probably top. He's got to be top three, or maybe even top. Probably top five is what I'm gonna I'm gonna play it safe and say top five. But he's nevertheless he's one of the best strikers in the UFC until Israel Adesanya came in and dismantled him in two rounds. I thought Robert Whitaker was the best striker in the UFC, and I still think he's one of the best. We saw that really beautiful one two, and then 
roundhouse kick that he landed on Jared Cannonier that almost finished him, got him wobbled. He's such a great striker and used to be champion. So I really do hope if he wins, he gets that title shot again because he deserves it. He's a young guy. He's been around for a long time. And there's not really any threats in the division for for Israel Adesanya besides Marvin Vittori, if, if I'm being completely honest. So Kelvin Gastelum, on the other hand, he he was on a couple... He he had a couple losses in a row, and then he came out in his last fight, and you know, wasn't that exciting. But he came out and he did what he needed to to win. But you know, because of that kind of boring win that Kelvin Gastelum just got, a lot of people are forgetting, you know, how dangerous and how smart of a fighter Kelvin Gastelum is. Kelvin Gastelum is a guy that's a really solid wrestler, but he has he has like a sneaky way of landing that left that left straight and that left hook on you, and it's powerful. We've seen him rock and knock out lots of people. He he knocked out Tim Kennedy. He lo- he knocked out uh, Michael Bisping. That was the that was the craziest, most telling, and most impressive win of his career, in my opinion. You could say what you want about Michael Bisping. He fought very very soon after that GSP loss. He could have been coming in. You know, there are a lot of factors that weigh into that. But ultimately, what mattered is that Gastelum came in and he got a knockout win over a former champion and legend, Hall of Famer, Michael Bisping. So this is a really fun one because I can't see Kelvin Gastelum's wrestling. I can't see it be a a factor because Robert Whitaker, he's not a... His style, of course, is, is blitzing, throwing combinations, throwing volume, and just really, really intense high IQ, very smart striking. And, but when he's been taken down, like he got taken down by an Olympic huge wrestler, Yoel Romero, and he was able to not really accumulate too much damage on the ground. And, you know, he'll go in, he has a couple submission wins. What I'm trying to say is if the fight does go to the ground, I'm totally confident in Robert Whitaker's abilities on the ground. So I think we're going to see a good old fashioned striking scrap between a guy with some serious power and another dude with power, but also really high IQ, really great technical striking. So this is one that I've been I've been really torn on because if Kelvin Gastelum comes in and fights like he did against Darren Till, fights like the way he did in his last fight, he's going to lose straight up. He's going to get pieced up and he possibly could get finished. The reason he didn't get finished against Darren Till is because both guys were coming in and fighting very conservatively because Darren Till was on a a two-loss streak um, where he lost against Tyron Woodley, gave him his first loss in his career, and then he got knocked out by Jorge Masvidal. And then he beat Kelvin Gastelum in in a very conservative striking affair, and then he lost to Robert Whitaker in their fight. He did actually drop Robert Whitaker and he hurt him, which is which is a factor that I wanted to talk about more. But I'm going to finish that thought. Kelvin Gastelum, if he comes in and he, and he just holds back, it's, it's not going to work against Robert Whitaker. But on the other side, it could possibly work for him because Robert Whitaker, he's been hurt in all three of his last fights. He got wobbled against Jared Cannonier. There was like a, a power jab that Cannonier just landed. He he put it like pinpoint on Robert's chin and he got a little wobbled, but it was towards the end of the fight, so it didn't matter. But in a five-round fight, that's really important. And then when Robert Whitaker fought Darren Till, 
he also he got dropped by an elbow. It didn't officially count for some reason as a knockdown, I don't think. But when he when he was coming rushing in, doing that, you know, that blitz style that he has, Darren Till was able to drop him with an elbow. And it, it looked pretty scary there, depending on who you're fans of. I'm a fan of everybody now. I respect all fighters, but there are some guys I like more than others. But, you know, with that Darren Till and Robert Whitaker fight, it was hard to pick because I, I love both guys. But And then before that, when he fought Israel Adesanya, of course, he got knocked out. And then before that, he got knocked down twice and almost finished by Yoel Romero. So Robert Whitaker, he has a tough chin, but he's shown like a pretty high susceptibility to power shots lately. So if he does... It's totally possible that Kelvin Gastelum can lull him into a false sense of security, like the way Yoel Romero did. And then, I don't want to say false sense of security, because, you know, Robert Whitaker in that second Yoel Romero fight was, he was piecing up Yoel. He was, he was, he got Yoel's eye to be swollen, almost shut. Um, So he was actually successfully fighting, but then Yoel was able to do what Yoel does best, land a crazy counter shot on him twice actually, and then hurt him, so Kelvin Gastelum could do that, Robert Whitaker could go in, win two, one, two, or even three rounds, and then in the fourth or fifth round, unload a crazy left shot on him, which he's done to many people, he did it to Israel Adesanya a couple times, he landed a head kick on Izzy, that kind of had, people are, people kind of play into that fight a little too much, they talk about like, oh, Kelvin Gastelum is so good, and you know, you know, look how far he pushed Israel Adesanya, which is totally true. He is a he is a very good underrated fighter, but Israel Adesanya has just improved leaps and bounds. You see, if you see him go from from Vittori to Brunson, Tavares, and then you go to um, when he was holding back against Anderson Silva, and then you watch him against Kelvin Gastelum, and then Robert Whitaker, he's just improving so much. So I just think it's more so that fight was closer because Robert Whitaker, I mean, uh, Israel Adesanya has just been improving a lot, but it's a really tough one for me to pick. But honestly, if I have to pick, definitely my prediction is going to be leaning towards Robert Whitaker. I think it's going to be a back-to-back war or, um, yeah, it's going to be, both guys are going to have back-to-back moments on each side, but I think Kelvin is just going to come in too cautious too conservative like he has for the his past few fights and I think Robert's just gonna put on a striking clinic but I do think Kelvin is going to land a couple shots we could see a couple moments where where Rob's hurt but he's just a superior athlete like you said he's he's refound his love he's rediscovered his love for the game and we're gonna see probably the best Robert Whitaker we've seen in a while so I think Robert Whitaker is going to win by decision that's my that's my official pick so thank you for tuning in on this episode of Zendependently Minded. Don't forget to check out in a couple days. Every Monday or Tuesday, I have my Zendependent News podcast where I kind of do a serious and sometimes satirical take on world news events because I like to stay informed and I want to inform you guys, but I want to have a kind of lighthearted tone with it because, you know, every time you go on in the news, any kind of news website, you know, most of the time it's just very morbid, it's very negative. And I just want to, I want to keep people informed. I want to inform myself, but I also want to make it fun and not so negative and so dark and so morbid. And then I also do rants where I just give my humble opinion and my humble thoughts on 
all kinds of things that I've just been thinking about lately. So as always, stay safe, stay away from those crazies out there. Thank you.